0: Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to The Accelerator with Michael Conniff. That's me. We're here to bring together founders, startups, entrepreneurs with family offices, investment firms, angels, VCs, people with money, in other words. And it is great to be here today live from Singapore or live on, uh, live on a podcast is uh, uh, Hayden Hughes. Great to have you, Hayden, um, and welcome to The Accelerator. Thanks so much, Michael. It's
1: really great to be here.
0: And and Hayden is um, the, um, the head of Alpha Impact. It's a, a very interesting crypto company. He's uh, actually at, at least the third in a series of people coming to us from uh, Southeast Asia. James Spurway uh, from Singapore as well. Jonathan Moore from South Korea we spoke to recently. And now Hayden, and this might—you know—this company is really, really interesting. And and Hayden, every time I speak to a um, a gringo in uh, Southeast Asia, I have to ask them, "What the heck are you doing there? How long have you been there? Why are you there? How come you're not here? <laughs> and where are you from? Sure. where are you from originally?" Yeah,
1: great, great question, and uh, really happy to be here. And uh, it's been a while since I heard the term gringo, so uh, you could tell yeah. I'm a little bit like a fish out of water here in Asia. Um, Yeah, so I'm originally Canadian. I grew up in Canada, lived there for many years, and I guess, uh, you know, started my first company, sold it. My family is half in New Zealand and half in Canada. So I had the chance to uh, go down and study and go to law school in New Zealand, which made a lot of sense for me because, you know, Canada, you know, as I think a lot of people know, gets a little bit cold in the winter. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I know there are parts of uh, parts of the U.S. that have the same phenomenon, but uh, Canada is really uh, quite a chilly place, and so uh, really went down to New Zealand uh, to be warm, warm, closer warm to
0: people, warm people, chilly climate. But go ahead,
1: exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, so spent uh, spent a few years living there. Uh, went to law school, graduated. Uh, I guess at some point along the way, I decided I didn't want to actually be a lawyer. And, uh, you know, startups have always been a part of my life. But for me, um, I was really excited by the idea of early stage disruptive tech companies. And so when I graduated, I joined a venture capital fund, which was, uh, you know, I guess uh, doing some kind of interesting stuff. And then I found out about crypto in 2017 and ended up working for a company that moved me to Singapore. Um, And it just, you know, we were it was an investment bank, still is an investment bank. Uh, raising capital for crypto and blockchain companies, and it what, really just I made thought? a lot.
0: Of- Excuse me for interrupting. What was yeah. that like in two thousand and seventeen? Well, in
1: uh, two thousand and seventeen. So let me just quickly pause, Michael. The the video on your side is frozen, so I can hear you, but your your frame is just frozen. So well, um, I don't know if- through,
0: through the magic of modern technology, Hayden. Um, this will all be resolved uh, when we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Got it. So, OK, so I, it's a buffering issue. Don't, don't worry, I can hear you perfectly. You're coming in 100 percent. So um, I'm just curious about um, crypto in 2017. So we're really talking about, you know, five, almost five years ago um, or at least five years ago, a different world. So what was that world like when you first were introduced to it? What was the appeal of it? Sure. Um, so I guess uh,
1: the first thing I heard about crypto was I was in an office um, in uh, in, a, in a shared office in New Zealand. Uh, I was doing kind of like an investor roadshow for one of the companies that we were working with called uh, Sharesies and,
0: you know, investing
1: platform, but nothing to do with crypto. And some of their team members were talking about Ethereum and they were saying, oh, it, it had gone from $15 to $50. And I thought, geez, that sounds pretty good. I should... A look at this, and you know, there's a lot of people that uh they want to spend a long time learning and understanding before they make investments in things. For me, if something is, is going up, uh, I can make a call on is it going to keep going up, and you have to look at historical data and everything. But I really decided at that point I wanted to get in as an investor, and so uh, went to work and I tried to sign up for every crypto exchange I could possibly find. And of course they have this KYC process to you know, make sure you're not you know, in North Korea or wherever else. And so I did this KYC process at what, what felt like 10 different exchanges. And it was just pending, pending, pending. And months and months went by and Ethereum went from $50 to $100 to you know, $400 to $500. And um, I ended up emailing the exchanges and just saying, uh, you know a little bit of a white lie I said, look I'm a very important member of the business community and uh, I think it's in your best interests to onboard me as quickly as you can and uh, eventually got onboarded and started buying Ethereum and it just kept going up. Um, you know and so I also became aware at that time of companies doing ICOs, which in those days tended to be, you know insert company, insert use case, and then add the words on the blockchain. so, weather prediction on the blockchain, delivering- oh, uh, uh,
0: Excuse me, I'm sorry, I just wanted to make sure yeah. um, we all understand what ICO means.
1: Sure, so an ICO is uh, describes the process where a company creates a cryptocurrency token. And what they tend to do is they sell a small percentage of those cryptocurrency tokens in advance in what's called a private sale, and then there's also what's called a public sale. And so the idea is that, you know, the price for members of the public that buy it on the first day, let's say might be a dollar. You might have the opportunity if you get it early to buy it for 25 cents. And with a little bit of marketing and, you know, market sentiment being good. Um, the expectation was for a lot of these projects that were listing tokens, a, that they could raise money very, very easily. And B that when the token listed on an exchange it would go to the roof uh, in terms of its price. So that, there was kind of a mania in 2017 and 18 around these types of uh, instruments.
0: So the, so the tokens can actually be used to raise money, but um, when you list the larger public portion of it, um, you also have um, some of the advantages that you might have, were it a stock? It kind of, it, it would, is it fair to say that it acts like a stock a little bit at that point, that it, it can go up and down? In value
1: yes um, it so that that's true it's uh, it's traded on a market and if the market is buying then the price goes up and if the market is selling you know just economics finance 101 if more people are selling the price goes down if more people are buying the price goes up um, so in many ways it's similar to a stock in that respect um, although my uh, my peers in the banking industry uh, I'm not sure if I should say peers Folks who are around, uh, you know, my generation in the banking industry uh, have tended traditionally to view cryptocurrencies as not being driven by anything. So there's a whole debate around, Mm. is there, you know, is there a value intrinsically to what these assets are?
0: Is there? Um,
1: Well, absolutely. I think some of them, um, so let me just start by saying one thing. Um, 90 something percent or maybe 80 something percent of cryptocurrencies were designed for no other purpose than speculation, capital raising, and the ability to generate liquidity very quickly. So um, to all my colleagues and friends and people I know in in banking who think that these cryptocurrencies are not based on anything, I probably 80% agree with them. And it really, in many cases, doesn't make sense for there to be a token, but some founders have just decided that, hey, they're going to do it and try to cash in on the ball. In many respects, uh, no, there's not an intrinsic value to some of those tokens. Um, But assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum and others, I mean, there's different ways to look at these. I mean, JP Morgan values Bitcoin. They call the intrinsic value uh, the price to produce one Bitcoin. So miners can produce a Bitcoin and that has a cost. And so the JP Morgan model, uh, among one of their many models, is that they just call that the intrinsic value. Uh, others look at the value of the transactions on the network to try to come up with a, you know, kind of a, not quite a discounted cash flow type of scenario, but something that's somewhat similar. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to value them. But the way that I think about Bitcoin is that it is a cryptocurrency that has one use case, right? And it is money. It is a store of value. Um, the second one that I think is very interesting is one called Ethereum, which is a, um, it acts a, as a store of value, but B, as a programming language that, um, that sits, well, it is, a, it is its own blockchain that has its own language. And on top of that blockchain sits an ecosystem of applications. So I like to think of uh, Ethereum kind of like the IBM of crypto. IBM doesn't really sell a lot of a lot of applications. It's Microsoft and Apple and others that do that. But IBM and NVIDIA and a lot of these com- companies that make chips. Um, you know, They're the, the nuts and bolts of the uh, software space. And so that's how I tend to think of Ethereum. And there's a number of other uh, cryptocurrencies and there's a race in the industry today to define what is the Ethereum killer. A lot of folks talk about Solana being one of the big ones. Um, but basically what you're looking at uh, for these public layer one blockchains, we call them, is you're looking at a blockchain that stuff can be built on top of. And when things are built on top, then you can look at, well, what is the transaction value of all of those applications? How many developers? Um, what is the amount of Ethereum that's being consumed to actually fuel all of those transactions? So it's, it's kind of like saying it's software, right? They're, you're just you know, uh, buying a piece of different ecosystems.
0: So it's impossible to talk about crypto, blockchain, any of this without immediately getting in the weeds <laughs> but that, I think, uh, you're very articulate on the subject. You obviously know a lot about it, but we've got to get you from 2017 into the into the present. So, um, so you had this experience with, with um, blockchain early, um, and I guess it was positive or interesting enough that it made you want to stick with it. So, what were the next? What were your next moves in when you were in Singapore?
1: Yeah, yeah. So came to Singapore on behalf of that first company. um, And eventually the market uh, really took a turn. And, uh, you know, there's 2018 and 2019, for those of us that were in the industry, was very painful. Um, You know, we're currently in a bear market in crypto. Prices are down. Um, You know, I could talk a lot about central bank interest rates and stuff like that, but there's many factors. Um, But the bear market in 2018 and 19 was much, much different. And so what um, what you saw was that there was nobody that was interested and investors weren't interested anymore. They went from being very interested in 2017 and the start of 2018 to really not wanting to pick up the phone in 20, the latter part of 2018 and 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so during that time, I actually uh, realized that there was a bit of a gap in the marketplace because in 2017, a lot of people had become aware of crypto. But in 2018 and 19, there were really very few people that could explain this in a way that would make sense to normal people um you know and we talked a little bit about how these cryptocurrencies are valued and i won't go too into the weeds but i found that if i could explain things to people in a way that made sense to them um, they would actually be very willing to uh, get get exposure to certain parts of the asset class so i founded my own advisory business which um, was a kind of a short-lived project due to COVID at the end but um Really, I was very excited to bring kind of normal people into this crypto world and help them understand what the opportunities are. And if you believed at that time, as I did, as I still do, that this crypto and blockchain technology is here to stay, then there were a lot of things that you could get access to that were trading at Really, what we're now is a historical period of undervaluation. So, started an advisory business, was introducing institutional and individual and family based investors to private transactions, uh, to, well, not public transactions, but introducing them to cryptocurrencies, saying things like, well, why can't Bitcoin go down to zero and explaining the whole asset class. So, um, did I, that business, ask, yeah?
0: Can I, can I ask you a question? I feel like. Um a very ignorant studer, student with a very smart teacher. Um, what was, when you were talking to so-called normal people, I suppose that's that's the rest of us, um, what was your pitch to people who knew nothing about this? Like what was your elevator pitch about crypto in 2018, 2019? Sure,
1: um, so, the, so at that time, um, the market had significantly cooled off. Um, Bitcoin was trading significantly below. Um, So in 2018, Bitcoin went down to uh, about $3,000. In 2019, you might recall Facebook was doing some stuff with its crypto. Um, So there was a renewed interest, but then another bear market after that. So really, it was like if you think of it from the start of 2018, it went like this and then up and then down again uh, until the start of 2020 or at least flat. So. What I was basically saying was, look, um, Bitcoin tends to increase exponentially. The supply of Bitcoin is going down over time. So the inflation is actually decreasing. And when we have these events that happen every four years where the supply of Bitcoin gets contracted uh, or cut in half every four years, so it's the, the rate of new Bitcoins being produced gets chopped in half every four years, that tends to precipitate a massive bull run. Um, and so I, that was my kind of pitch. And I'd say, look, this asset is asymmetrical to other assets. There's a lot of upside, your downside of course is there. Um, but really we've kind of tested those waters. We saw it go down to three, we saw it go down to four. Um, so I said, this is something that you should have as a diversifier in your portfolio. And that was kind of the the high level.
0: And you probably still feel that way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot
1: of maturity in the industry since then. I mean, the, the advent of. Uh, many investors, professional investors, Yale's endowment fund institutions um, has totally changed the way that the asset class behaves. But yeah, absolutely. It's an asymmetrical asset that um, over time, I mean, it's not going anywhere, that's for sure.
0: So what were the steps from this point that got you to your current company, Alpha Impact, that mirrors, mirrors traders follows traders and allows people to invest just like the best traders in the business which is a brilliant idea um, what what are the steps that got you there
1: yeah absolutely so look I um, I eventually ended up selling uh, the company that I referred to the advisory business and then uh, joining cryptocom doing institutional sales doing the exact same thing I had been doing and truth be told I started to make money trading and I thought and I was actually making more money trading than I was from my salary so I thought all right well I'm just going to stop working because if i can make more over here doing something and i get to just kind of sit in my pajamas um why would i you know go work for the man so the problem that i had michael when i started trading crypto and and look at this point i had been trading for many years um it's very challenging to um so let me start a little bit further back there are amazing information asymmetries that exist in crypto that do not exist in, in traditional capital markets. So if Elon Musk sneezes, there will be some equity analyst at some bank who has analyzed the market impact of that sneeze. And so you can assume that most information about most large stocks is out there. Um, I won't get into the whole debate about is it an efficient market or not? Um, that, that's a longer conversation, but, there's information that's out there and analyzed and it's been adopted by the market. In crypto, the information is asymmetrical. So as a trader, my goal in 2020 was really to try to find sources of information of people that had information about this type of blockchain, that type of project. And what I found was that it was just so challenging identifying who was worth listening to and who was frankly wasting my time. Um, This was a real pain point that I had when I was teaching myself. So I met my co-founder, Austin, in the Antler Accelerator, and he had done so much research on, um, this is Austin chaired by the way, he comes from a banking research.
0: And, and where is the Amber yeah. Accelerator? Is that in Singapore?
1: So it's Antler, yeah, so they're global, yeah. um, but they have global. they have one in Singapore, yeah.
0: Okay, good to know.
1: And And so I met Austin, he had done thousands of hours of research, and I realized that he was actually better at trading than I was, and I thought, well, let me sit beside this guy, because clearly it's a positive uh, expected value to be sitting beside someone like this. And we realized that there was actually a lack of uh, tools that a lot of folks have when they're getting into crypto that are there to help them decode the asset class and figure out how to invest, what should I invest in, um, and really to bring that transparency where if you see me on Alpha Impact, you'll actually see my portfolio as well. So if I'm telling you to buy, you'll see if I'm holding that same asset. So that was kind of the philosophy.
0: Um, very interesting. So in 2020, um, you formed Alpha Impact. Um, there are 11 in the company now. And, I, and, and you've described it as a social media network that, connecting, that connects people to crypto exchange accounts. Um, and it's also uh, a way, as I mentioned, to mirror um, top traders. Um, you've got thousands of users. How many, how many so far? Yeah. So we
1: have just over 4,000 users and it's been, um, a very, I guess, you know, when we started off and Michael, if you don't mind, I'd love to show a demo in a few minutes time, just a like 30 seconds of what the platform looks abs- like.
0: Abs- I, uh, you know, uh, absolutely. Um, sure. Uh, I've got to figure out how to do that. To be that's honest, that's okay. We them. can keep chatting. So, actually, that's mine. Uh, oh, I had it. Hang on. I apologize to our listeners for this.
1: Thank you so much, Michael, and uh, to the listeners, I apologize. We um, this is going out on video, right?
0: Yes. Okay. Uh, let's see. Share. I'm hitting share, but we're we're not sharing. So. I think I have to press it. Let me try.
1: Oh, yeah, I can do it.
0: Okay. Okay, go ahead.
1: Ready? Okay, here we go. Great. So part of the thesis for us was really around how can we build a trading platform that doesn't look like a trading platform. And so this is our, our social media feed. There's a lot of trading functionality, but we don't want to confuse people right off the top. So the whole idea here is that you can see what these traders are talking about. Uh, So this gentleman is a trader, he's been generating some decent results. He's got different returns connected or different portfolios connected. So the the whole idea for us is, can we do this in a way that builds a community between the trader and the follower? So this has been, uh, the social feed is I think the home of Alpha Impact, and that's where people start. But for those who want to see actual portfolios, you can actually go here to the discover section. So these are our most followed traders some of our most uh, profitable traders and you can look at different time frames and, and you hold I mean just up, looking I at...
0: want to look yeah. at some of the numbers like up 331%, up 78%, up uh, I think that's up right it's in green so yeah, 45%, 45%. And you also um, I'm sure you have some where are not up so you can as a as a uh, user of of Alpha Impact you can use this to make your own trades obviously you can you can Absolutely, yeah really. And, and is, that, is that in fact what people are doing? Is that actually how it's used?
1: Yeah, yeah, so the, the whole idea here is that you can actually see what people are doing. And so if we zoom in and we look at this person's portfolio, this uh, person, we can zoom in and actually see uh, how he's doing over time. So he's, over the past 30 days, you can see Bitcoin is actually down and he's up. So you can see his assets that he has in his portfolio right now, just USD, you can see his positions right in this. So it looks like he's closed everything. And he's been very successfully swing trading this, uh, this currency. So the way that it works is uh, you can actually follow this person and when they make a trade, you make a trade automatically. So I won't go through every single feature, but let me just, no, wait, uh, let me,
0: let me just stop you there. When they make a trade, you automatically make the same trade. That's yeah, right. absolutely. So
1: that's how it works.
0: Even uh, for the same amount, for the same exposure? Identical? So it's sized.
1: It's actually sized proportionally. So um, it's based okay. in percentage terms. So if if he trades five percent, you will trade five percent of yours.
0: Okay. And you, how do you make your money? Yeah. So we actually haven't
1: started yet. But there, you know, just one more thing that I'll show here: the yeah. um, you connect an exchange account. So our platform is not a platform where we ask you to make a deposit. It's non-custodial. So what that means is that you could just connect what's called an API key. And you'll be able to trade some of these traders uh, automatically. So we make money in two ways. Uh, firstly, we let's take a look at some shorter time frames. So let's look at the daily returns. So these are some returns just over the past day. This person has made it looks like 10% in the past 24 hours, 7%, 5.73%. So decent returns on shorter time frames and on longer time frames as well. So let's take a look at the all-time results. So this is actually not all-time; it's since last July. And so the whole idea is that we're building this platform in a way that you can follow this person and make the same return without having to make a deposit. So you connect your exchange account and what happens is you uh, press follow. And when you follow them, uh, the platform will automatically copy the trades. So we haven't actually enabled automatic copy trading uh, for every account yet. You do have to get on the wait list and be approved. But the whole idea is that we will charge a small subscription fee to give you access to number one, this person's I'll just let it load here. So he posts, oops. So this person posts a lot of technical analysis on our platform. And so you get, you'll get access to all of this. So that'll be a subscription fee. And the trader can actually customize how much you pay for that. And then the second piece of course, is when you copy trade that person, there'll be a little button right here. If you're invited, then there's a small transaction fee. So we have a wallet here in our platform. You can deposit crypto and that's how the fee will be paid in the short
0: term. And can, can you do copy, copy trading, which I love that phrase. Can you do that in other exchanges? Is this purely a crypto phenomenon, an alpha impact phenomenon? Yeah,
1: so uh, right now we're focused purely on crypto. Um, you start getting into stocks and, and commodities and FX, it gets a little bit challenging in terms of needing licenses. But we feel that there's enough. I mean, you saw our top trader, he made 300% in one month. So it's a reasonably good return. And I feel pretty happy that, uh, you know, I'm able to copy trade this person. I know a lot of people are excited that they can copy trade uh, as well. And, so and, and,
0: yeah, and Hayden, do you find yourself, um, or do you find that your trade, like if it were me not to be too stupid about this, but Obviously, you're, wanting, you're going to want to copy the guy who or the, the trader who's doing the best, right? So is, is there some piling on in that sense that, that um, uh, the bulk of the traffic is uh, focused on the top two or three traders?
1: Well, what we tend to see is that there are different traders who perform differently in different time periods. And so one of the reasons that we've actually included uh, the Sharp ratio as a measure of volatility is that we want to actually give our users the ability to see who's been a consistently good trader, even despite the volatility. And so that's, that's one aspect we look at. We have different assets that we integrate with. So we'll soon have, I mean, I think the version I showed you has three leaderboards. So there's one for most followed, top returns, and also uh, the sharp ratio. But we actually imagine a future where we have our own products and customers can choose from futures or margin or options. But then we'll have some products that we create as well, where users will get access to, I guess, simplified products that don't require them to have to trade a top trader. So look, there's lots of trading platforms out there. But I think the key thing for us has really been, can we get these really great traders? who consistently outperform the market, not only for one month, but every month. Um, and how the ones that about, I showed you,
0: Yep. Yeah. I'm sorry, I was gonna say, how do they feel about giving away their secrets, so to speak?
1: Well, I think that, um, you know, in many cases, you're dealing with people who want to monetize their trading and want to build a following. Uh, you know, Michael, when we started off with this business, we looked at a lot of the influencers and so-called experts who are out there on YouTube and Discord and TradingView and what we realized is that a lot of the experts that claim to be experts out there are actually not very good. Um, and so, you know, uh, counter-cyclically, we also see that people who are the true experts are sometimes not very good at building a following in a community. So the idea for us is to give these traders a toolbox to monetize and grow and build a following in a way that other platforms uh, don't do.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. and. Um... Now, uh, finally, I should ask you that question we ask everybody here on the accelerator is, um, are you trying to raise money? If so, how much and uh, what round are you in and, and give us some sense of maybe what you already, already raised as well? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So um, this is our, I guess, second uh, capital raise. So we got a little bit of money from the accelerator we went through last year. And we're currently halfway through a seed round. So it's a safe note. We're raising between one and a half and $2 million um, as a, at a discount to the next round. I don't wanna to give too many details because I don't want this to be a solicitation, um, but it is a, we think a fairly priced round and there are some VCs who are in.
0: Who are in already? Yes, absolutely. And are they, um, are they local to you there in Singapore? Or are they from elsewhere?
1: Yeah. So, um, one is a large international VC. Um, one is local here in Singapore and then, uh, yeah, those would be the two main ones. And then there's some that, uh, haven't, uh, you know, they've given us a term sheet we haven't signed or are still negotiating. Um, but there's one certainly very well-known VC and our, and one of our investors in an earlier round, um, is, I can't say the name, but they're one of the largest uh, high-frequency trading firms on the globe, in fact. Um, and I think I can say they they have offices in many places, but a presence in the U.S. So we have a fairly attractive investor base, and uh, I'm apologizing that I can't give away all the juicy details to the public.
0: That's okay. Secrets are important. Well, listen, uh, Hayden, I want to thank you so much for uh, staying in your office to speak with us from Singapore today. We really appreciate it. And of course, we, we wish you all the best in, in all of this. It's, it's super interesting. And, um, and, and I think you're uh, certainly, of the people I've talked to, you're one of the most articulate um, proponents of crypto. And so that's really great. We'd love to have you back on again sometime if you're, if you're game. Fantastic. I look forward to it. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, this has been The Accelerator. We, we're here with uh, Hayden News. I'm Michael Conniff. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael Conniff, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C-O-N-N-I-F-F. You can um, also find us on every virtually every leading uh, platform, including Apple and Audible and Spotify and so on. Uh, We're also on YouTube with video. And um, uh, you can come uh, if you want to see my other my other lives uh, go to michaelconniffcom and you will see that actually this guy is primarily a writer which might surprise you but <laughs> but at the moment we're we're all broadcasters in this new new zoom world so uh, anyhow thanks Hayden and uh, thank you all for listening this is the accelerator with Michael Conniff and we'll be back before you know it